Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Throwing Bagels podcast. Jason Hamo here along with Kevin Mooney. Kevin, how you doing? I am good, Jason. How are you? I'm good. And Chris Douglas from Arizona. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Jason, I am dried up like a plum. <laughs> we have another great guest today. We have Dana Murphy, formerly Dana Siegel, uh, another Oswego alumni. She is the sales director of Amperwave, an Odyssey company right now, um, and she also was at Oswego as around the same time that we were all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome, Dana. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jason. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Glad you could join us today. So, Dana, this week, uh, you and fellow Oswego alum Susan Larkin are hosting a special reception um, with us, new Oswego president, Dr. Wosu, um, at the Odyssey NYC offices. Um, how did this event come together? We were actually supposed to do this event in April. But at the time, we were in the middle of the presidential search for a new president. So obviously, President Stanley had already left. Um, Dr. Toll was the interim. And there was a lot of movement going on with interviewing candidates, et cetera. But the idea was um, to talk about the new SCMA building and New York being a big area for broadcasting and agencies, et cetera. We were going to invite all of the broadcasting industry um, alums to come to the Odyssey offices, which is a great space, you know, owner of, you know, one of the own, sorry, owner of some of the, you know, largest groups of stations in the country. Um, We thought it'd be a great opportunity, but also in April, besides being in the presidential search and not having a formal president, the biggest trade show of the year for broadcasting happens in April, which is the NAB in Las Vegas. So a lot of people are out of town for almost a, a full business week. Um, there's lots of holidays going on in April plus plus spring break. So we decided to move it to the fall once we had a new president in place, which we now do. Um, and we were able to open up the event to a lot of other alums in the New York City area, which there are many in New York City. Um, the opportunity also came about because Susan, um, who is the COO at Odyssey, is an alum from the class of 85. And I had met her through LinkedIn and and through some other events a few times um, and got to know her. And like the second day I worked for Odyssey, I was in the Philly office and I walked into her office and I was like, I'm Dana, we've been talking on LinkedIn and we've, you know, done a couple of virtual events together and we kind of clicked and she was very interested in getting involved. She hadn't really done much um, yet. And we decided to co-host these events together, which she's very excited about. Um, the other cool thing is she's our COO and in the radio space, you know, there aren't a ton of women in these executive C-suite type positions. She's worked her way all the way through Odyssey, like even when it was Entercom. And so to have somebody like her co-host the event, um, offer up this space, which is an amazing space, downtown New York City with a performance space and a, and a great atrium area in front of some legacy New York City stations, Um, was an amazing opportunity because a free space is always great in New York City. Um, And we're super excited. So kind of everything was coming together for April, but really came together this fall with the timing and the fact that we have a new president and that we could open it up to a lot of alumni. So we're super excited for for this coming week um, and to host everybody there. What's been the level of interest from the Oswego community in attending? Yeah, so I was sending things out on my own socials and LinkedIn, and so were a lot of other um, alums. 
We have about 60, I think, attendees. I think the space can hold about 70 something. So we're almost at max, which is great. Because the worst thing you want to do is, you know, have your CEO help you co-host an event and then like no one shows up. But New York City alums are not are not like that. They show up, which is amazing. And a lot and in a lot of other cities they do as well. Um, but it's hard when you have like post COVID people aren't in the office all the time. So we're very fortunate that a lot of people like some on, on this podcast, um, are coming in on the days that they normally would not come into the city to come to this event. And we have a lot of broadcasting and com alum, but we also have a lot of other majors as well, who are interested, um, in meeting our new president, interested in seeing the space. Um, they'll talk a little bit about the SCMA building. But a lot of it is about our new president and his vision and what's going on on campus. So great response. Um, lots of sharing on social. Uh, it'll be great to see people and, and be in that space. What can attendees expect to hear from Dr. Wosu? Um, so I think he's going to present a little bit about obviously himself and his history and 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 how he's gotten to where he is. Um, which I think resonates a lot in New York City, which was a place where a lot of um, families came through as immigrants to the country originally. Um, New York City as a population for alums is big and very diverse, which is great. Um, and so we'll hear, I think, a lot about you know his journey. And then we'll hear about his vision and his plan for Oswego in terms of the campus and you know, the the funding and the scholarships um, and endowments and all of that. So I think that's kind of the idea. And I know that there will be a good portion of Q&A. We're not making this him constantly, you know, talking the whole time. People have questions. Um, you know, a lot of people couldn't make it to reunion. So they're coming to this event, perhaps. They want to meet him. You know, we had a president, luckily, for so many years, there was such consistency. This is brand new. And all of us knew President Stanley really is the only president of yeah. our college. So now's the opportunity to come and say, oh, we have a new president. What's this person's vision? What's What questions can I ask him? You know, what does he see for the college and for the students and for the alumni? So that's the idea. I'm extremely interested in the q and I think there'll be some great questions for him. Well, I know one thing he mentioned in his in his state of the state of the college address was the vision 4040. So his goal is to expand the annual num double, actually, the annual number of graduates of Oswego by 2040 uh, to meet a lot of the, the needs of the central New York region. So that's a very ambitious plan. So it'll be very interesting to, to see how he intends on on going about implementing that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a big plan and a big vision. Right. You know, Oswego has a lot of students that, you know, come from far away that have to stay on campus. But I think there's a lot of industry, and I'm sure he's going to talk about that, that's coming into upstate New York that might allow for more commuters as well. So you might not need all those dorms, perhaps. I think you're going to, you know, or not need additional dorms, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the dorms are full, right? You know, we fill them. So, I think he's looking towards industry and more to local community, but I'm very interested in the, in the same. And, and we, I can even ask him that question this week as well. How are you going to handle it? Like this is a large influx of students. You need professors, you need dorms. So if I don't bring it up, I'm sure somebody will, because that's yeah. 
probably the first thing that comes to people's minds. Our campus is only so big. It's a beautiful campus and we love it, but it's only so big. I mean, they, if you think about the people that we all met in college for the most part, right? I would say majority, more than 50% came from the Albany West, Albany and West, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and, and North, but you had a decent amount Long Island, but, but I would say that majority of students came from that, from those, you know, Albany, Buffalo, Rochester areas is from, from at least what I, I saw, um, we did have a decent amount of commuters, but I don't, I see it more as there's going to be, there would be more people coming that wouldn't be commuters. So and with that said, you know, we might need to, he would have, they would have to think about adding more somehow. I don't know how they would do that, you know, but they would have to, you know, if they pushed further down, like, uh, towards, towards like Bev's and Rudy's or something like that, you know, to go down that way. If they Imagine have, if they could do it. was across the street from Rudy's. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would have been fantastic back right? in the day, right? I, I wouldn't yeah. have gotten anything done. I would have just walked over there, gotten my fried fish and come back over again. <laughs> and then ice cream yeah. next door and come back. Yep. Yep. Although yeah. the walk, although the walk to campus would have been horrible. <laughs> that's true. Well, maybe they build up versus out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Up. <laughs> skyscrapers. Skyscrapers yeah. in Oswego, New York. Yeah. You could see them from the shores of Canada. If you look the way. That's right. <laughs> Seneca Hall will be uh, 30 stories high. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> totally fine in that wind. Totally fine. Yeah. Nothing, nothing can go wrong. Um, you have been involved very heavily with the Alumni Association um, for, for quite a while. Yep. Um, what made you decide to get involved? And you, you've held multiple positions. What, what made you decide to hold you know, many different positions at the same time? So yeah, great question. Because a lot of people ask me, like, how did this happen? Um, so first of all, I had an amazing experience at Oswego to the point of like, I don't know that I had I would have my career and my family and my friends that are such obviously my family is a big part of it, but like my friends from Oswego are still very much a big part of my life. Um and I also had the very fortunate experience of getting my first job in my industry that I wanted to be in through an alum, through career services. And career services at the time, um, which I think is now the point in Murano, um, is was like one room in Culkin Hall with one computer. There was like internet, you had to log into like Gopher to get to it and stuff. And but there was a job board online and I was able to get my first job in, in the radio space, in sales through an alum. And so to me, um, that resonates so much, like my whole life from, you know, the age of 21 on was because of Oswego. And so it was like a pay it forward to me. Like I want others to have that same experience that I had even post college. I felt, I feel, and still very fortunate for that. And so right away, um, I started, um, volunteering in small ways, right. I was, um, a reunion volunteer when it was, when it was more of like reunions every year, kind of a thing, like not the clusters, I don't think, but I did that. Um, I am, I just got a thing in the mail for this. I'm a loyal Laker. 
So even when I was, that's, it's when you donate for consecutively for X amount of years, like without a gap, um, I'm going to tell you the number in a second, but like, even when I was making like nothing in New York city at my first job, I would give like 25 bucks. Right. I really mm -hmm. felt that strongly about the experience and what I was given. They just sent me a certificate in the mail. And I think it's a 25 year loyal Laker. Wow. Yeah. It's like kind of crazy. can't stop now. Better not miss the years. Right? That's right. I mean, that's terrible. <laughs> it's like the longest streak I've done anything consistently. <laughs> um, so, so I've been doing that as well. And that's just like something small. If it can help a student with a scholarship or a book mm. or a meal plan, anything great. Um, and then I would come to a lot of the same New York City events that I'm hosting. So that's a little bit full circle. We used to go to the Houndstooth Pub for stuff, go to the Calm Dinners, which we were all just at. And we were networking at those events as like early post-grads. And I loved going back up to campus. So I was already very engaged. I was then um, approached by someone on the board um, who actually worked at the Oswegonian, who you all probably know, Amy, Amy, um, Amy Diger. Um, and she was at the Oswegonian. Mm -hmm. She was the editor. Uh, Vanderlei was her maiden. Oh, yeah. 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 Ah, and yeah. so she engaged me um, about the board because the board is not your first point of engagement. And I hung out with them. I, I had some conversations with Betsy um, Oberst. And I was like, this would be great. Like, I could do a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not a huge time commitment. And so she nominated me. And there's a whole process. And um, I was lucky enough to be chosen out of a, you know, there's only a few positions a year. And I've been doing that now for like over 10 years. Um, and it's, we meet a few times a year on campus. We do teleconferences as well. Obviously COVID changed a little bit of that, but we do a lot of great work and you learn so much more about how the college is run and how well-run it is, especially in terms of staying fiscally responsible. You learn a lot about admissions and how admissions have changed or what the landscape of the student body looks like. Um, you learn about the public safety for the students, which is really important now. So we do all these presentations. And then there's impact, like we actually give scholarships from the Alumni Association. So we're directly helping students financially, like right away. So you, some of the impact takes a longer time, but some of it is immediate. Um, and it's been a great experience. Um, we're trying to expose the board a little bit more to students and the and to you know students to the alumni association so they know that it's there. Um, and we're also we there was probably a time where you all were getting just inundated with phone calls for giving. That's all been kind of turned around now. This is now a you know give us your time and your talent right? Like, let's get you coming, speaking to students, reconnect. That's priceless, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we we do a lot of that work as well. I, I'm an at-large member now. I was president for four years. I learned a ton. It was a great, also a great resume builder. Like I've been doing radio and audio for a while. This was a great way to volunteer, put that on my resume, but learn a, a lot of new skills, like strategic planning, Mm -hmm. budgeting, you know, how to look at, you know, 
endowments and how those work and finances. And I'm terrible at math. You can ask the math teachers I had in high school and at Oswego, so bad, <laughs> but I loved it. So um, it's a great opportunity. Um, even just the other volunteer opportunities before the board are really fulfilling. Um, and it's been a great experience and I, I love doing it. I can't vote at meetings anymore because I'm not a full member anymore. I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm what you call at large. So at the last meeting we had, I was so used to being like, yay, nay. And they're like, you can't do that. <laughs> I was like, right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is weird. It's like a 10-year habit. Um, so you're just like there now? You're just like at I'm the meetings like, yeah. and no, you can't do anything, basically? <laughs> I give out scholarships. I just can't <laughs> say yay or nay. <laughs> but it's been great. And I've met amazing people. Like, I met such amazing people as a student. Like, you know, you guys. I knew you guys at school. Um, I've met more alumni through across all decades and they are amazing. They love us. We go just as much and everyone has their, their own um, profession and industry that they can provide, you know, something that is important to the board, whether it's finance, investment, communication, marketing, such a great group of people and a good representation of our student body now. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about your experience at Oswego uh, in just just a moment. But first, I mean, we wanted to talk a little bit about your your role at Amperwave. So uh, what exactly is Amperwave? Sure. So um, if my boss listens, I better get this. Um, <laughs> ah. Did they go to Oswego? I mean, no, but like pretty much the, the one down from the head of the company did. So I better yeah. get this. Yeah, I get um, it right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Amperwave is an end-to-end -end streaming and podcast solution um, for audio. Whether you're a radio broadcaster, whether you're just doing an online station, um, and whether you have a single podcast or a network of podcasts. Um, it also gives you opportunity for monetization, which is basically putting ads into all of your streams and your podcasts so you can make some money. So our platform essentially... Um, gives you all of those tools in one place to create the streams or the podcasts, um, monetize them, get analytics, data, et cetera, and then distribute them out to the listening audience. Um, the product has had a couple of different names. It's been sold a few times, um, but now we're over at Odyssey. So we're owned by Odyssey, which has a couple of other companies that it you know oversees as well. Um, they have podcast networks. So for you guys, like Pineapple Studios is a big um, part of Odyssey. And then they've gotten a little bit into like the betting part too. So BetQL is betting content. Um, so we work not just with Odyssey for their streams, um, but we also work with other radio broadcasters and other online only um, companies to help them as well. It's really interesting. I mean, it's, um, it's growing still mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's a fun space to be in. Although I'll tell you, like when you when you do sales and you combine it with software, it gets a little tricky because software is software. And it's like, we need to develop this. And they're like, six months. And I'm like, what? I'm like, just add it in. And they're like, no, it touches everything else and it'll break everything. And I'm like, oh, my man. sales head can't get around that sometimes. But it's a fun- People like you all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So Why can't we do this? Yeah, I'm like, it's just zeros and ones. How hard can it yeah. be? 
<laughs> yeah, that's simple. And yeah. they all want to like slap me through Zoom. <laughs> it's it's a really fun space. Um, Amperwave. So if you stream any Odyssey um, own station, um, that is what I do. That's what I sell. That's powering all of that as well as the ads that you hear and then all of the data that comes back to Odyssey. It turns out that the Throwing Bagels podcast needs some money for Christmas, Monica. How can we sign up and monetize this podcast? There you go. Well, we should have a side conversation. Okay. But there is the Odyssey app, which you could add your podcast to. Let's do it. Yeah. So, yes, we we can talk about this for sure. Okay. (laughs) Going to write that down. Yeah. Jot it down where we keep the notes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's a long list um what is what is your what is your day like as a sales director there it's busy um so ever since uh covid it's really super scheduled um you would have calls and meetings and do more travel and your day would a little open but when everyone's at home and they're around and you're sharing calendars, the day can get pretty packed. Um, there's a lot of meetings internal where it's, you know, what's going on this week? What are your main focuses? Um, and then there's end of the week meetings, like how did the week go? But day to day, I'm either, you know, working internally with um, revenue teams um, to see how we're doing with hitting marks on digital inventory and filling as much as we can. Um, but on this more on the sales side is talking to current clients to say, hey, like open up more of your inventory or all of it or give it to us to rep for you. You don't have to do anything. We'll we'll revenue share whatever's made back to you. So a lot of the day is, you know, checking in on current clients, working on that, renewing their contracts, but then there's also the new business, right? And that's talking to prospects you know, sending them information. I do my own demos at time. I think most of the time, Um, I think it's important to know your product, be hands-on with it if you're going to sell it, right? Um, Nothing drives me more crazy when there's like this higher up person and you're out and they can't like do what you do. (laughs) I'm like, but you're higher up than me, like demo it. Um, So I do a lot of demos, which I really enjoy doing. And it keeps me like up to speed with what's going on. Um, so I do demos, I'm, I'm pitching, I'm putting proposals together, whether it's new business or renewal business. I read a lot of articles, you know, what's going on. You need to know who's going where, what companies are using what products. So it's just kind of keeping up with the times. And then a lot of CRM work, which is making sure that I'm talking to the right people, that they're attached to these accounts in a piece of software that I can track, you know, the company and the personnel, but also my, you know, we'll call them deals, right? Um, And the specifics of those deals and creating pipelines. I'm always working on pipelines. Um, And while this might all sound a little boring um, at times, like a CRM, um, it really is a tool that is super helpful and makes your life easier. But the day-to-day interactions with my clients and prospects, but even my colleagues, I'm very fortunate to work in an industry with really great people and a company with really great people. Um, So while um, sales can be hard, 
it, the culture is great. And so it makes it fun. I don't wake up and say, oh, you know, I hate my job. I don't want to do it, even though I literally walk 10 feet down a hallway <laughs> my house to do it. But um, it's it's a it's a busy day. It's a fun day. Things can happen weirdly at any moment. You get the opportunity to talk to some cool companies too, you know, like um, big sports networks or podcast mm -hmm. networks. Um, and it's a small space. So you're talking to your friends, really. So it's a busy day, but a fun day. So so first of all, who doesn't love a good CRM? Um, <laughs> oh, what but, is CRM? Hold on. What uh, is yeah, CRM? Can you please <laughs> explain CRM for, so, for Dana. Initiated. Yeah. It's like um, a customer relationship manager piece of okay. stuff, right? So it's basically, it comes to you blank usually, and you have to fill it in with companies you're working for, uh, working with um, the client, you know, the, the staff there, and you're putting in their email and their phone numbers, and you're building this out for like a database. Um, it also creates your pipeline. So you attach deals to every company so you can track your revenues and you can break it up by month and forecast out into other years and know when they have to renew. So you're kind of building your sales life and pipeline off of it. Um, and some of them are really great. Like you can, you know, if I close a deal, it will automatically create a new one. So I don't have to worry about it. So I know in 24 mm -hmm. months or 36 months, I got to start working on this again. Um, you can email, like email blast out of it, marketing items or, you know, information. Um, so once you build it up, you have a lot of, you know, power behind it for your day to day to keep on track, but also, you know, like if I'm out, someone else can go in and be like, oh, that's what she was working on. You link it to your email. It'll, you know, keep tabs on your email. So someone can mm -hmm. see the last thing you sent. I'm again, I'm sounding way too excited. Yeah. About Salesforce. That. Salesforce is, is, is a good example of a CRM. Yeah. Some of the stories I've read around podcasting in general was that the the podcast boom is over, that there were podcasts coming out every other second around the turn of, of this decade, 2019, 18, 19, 20. And some of the articles were basically saying that the, the boom is the that era of massive expansion is over in in the podcasting space. But but Dana, what what are you seeing? What are what are where is the growth or what are the opportunities for growth in in podcasting going forward? So, I think it has mellowed a little bit, but there's still a lot of room for growth in the tech side of it in order to have like you guys generate revenue, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, it's going to be 20 billion dollars or something crazy." Listen, what happens a lot of time in the podcasting space, and you guys are doing a great job because there are people who are like, we're going to do podcasts and they do three and then they don't do it anymore. It's called, it's like a, they call it pod fade. Right. And so, um, there was a lot of that because people were like podcast, podcast, we're going to do podcasts. And then they did four <laughs> and then they didn't do it anymore. Um, there's the technology like my platform and, and others out there that, can get your content out there. It's great. Um, but not all of them have the capability to monetize them. And I also think um, there's what we call programmatic, which is basically automated um, advertising for digital where people are just throwing ads in, right? Like it's a national buy and Coca-Cola buys it super cheap and they put an ad in and it's you're making something 
it didn't cost you anything to to get that ad. Um, but there's still things in the programmatic space to get more going towards podcasts. And the unfortunate thing is that the threshold for those ads right now to get placed are very high. Like you have to have X hundreds of thousands of downloads, right? Then they'll be like, oh, you get the $20 CPM versus the $4 or the $2. And so you have the a little bit of disparity. So I think once you can better manage it across all levels and the technology mm -hmm. has to still be worked on a little bit, it's definitely better. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity, but I think you're also going to have to be part of like a network or within a platform that can do it for you and aggregate everything as a whole versus being an individual podcast, if that makes uh, sense. <laughs> totally. It's time, uh, Dana, that we're going to hop in the DeLorean now, go back in time, right? So I have, I have my shed mug ready. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not the usual liquid that should have been in there, there but yes let's oh do that's it. just water i'm sure so yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh actually let's even go before that so you were a broadcasting major at oswego what sparked your interest in broadcasting so shockingly i was like a drama kid in high school <laughs> so I was like on stage and I, and I, and I always did improv and, um, I ended up doing the morning announcements my senior year with another friend. So we got to be like goofy and there was like a microphone and, um, and so I just was always kind of into like the performance side. Um, and so I was like, I'll do broadcasting, you know, like that would be that would be great. And I really knew like right away, I'm going to do this. My dad is a lawyer. And I said, maybe I'll be a lawyer. He was like, bad idea. And that's the lawyer saying it. So ah. like, we'll do broadcasting, which probably if you would ask the broadcaster, they'd be like, bad idea. But it was exactly. a great idea. So, and I found a great school to do it at. Um, so I just kind of went that way. I also love music. So in my mind, I was like, I could like perform on air and listen to music. Amazing. Um, it turns out there's a lot more to it. And I ended up, you know, enjoying more of like the business um, side of it. But I also enjoy doing on air um, things as well during that. So I just kind of had this in my blood, like for a long time of how can I perform but not be an actor, maybe <laughs> go to radio. <laughs> What led you to attend Oswego? Were there any other schools that you were interested in going to? So I never visited Oswego. I know. You're not the first. I know. You're not the first. Ever, I've listened to your podcast. I know. <laughs> um, so I was Thank looking you. at a bunch of broadcasting schools. <laughs> um, and honestly, even with the, I and I, and I was out of state, by the way, I grew up in New Jersey. So even with the out-of-state tuition, it was still cheaper to go to Oswego 
than the other schools that I was looking at. Wow. So I was like, okay. And I had one friend who went to Oswego and I called him up and I got him, I got the brochure in the mail, you know, and the pamphlets and everything. And the computer spit out Oswego in the guidance counselor's office, you know, like these are the schools for broadcasting. So I got the pamphlet and I called him and I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not able to come up there. Um, am I going to like it? And I knew this guy for a long time and he's like, you're going to love it. You'll love it. I know you're going to love it. And so that's kind of how it came about. And I stepped foot on campus. My first time was like when I moved into the dorms, I'd never seen it outside that pamphlet. There were no like video tours on a website. There's no YouTube to check it out, like nothing. So I just went on his recommendation and the fact that the out of state and still the out of state is cheaper than most other colleges and universities. And that's you want to call out those universities right now, call them out. Northeastern, Quinnipiac, (laughs) (laughs) Salisbury State was one of them, I think. Mm. Um, Those were like the ones I was looking at. Northeastern was like bananas. Yeah, sure. And they're like, we can give you three thousand dollars in aid, and I was like, yeah, Thank and you it's still forty thousand dollars a year, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So those are the ones, but um, it worked out really well. I actually ended up taking a gap year and going a year later um, than I was supposed to, because your your application is valid for a year. So mm-hmm. while I didn't go in the fall of ninety four, I ended up coming in the fall of ninety five instead. Did he warn you? Did your friend warn you about the? Uh the the cold and the the snow no i had no idea yeah well the so first of all i was driving from boston to come upstate i don't think i had been past albany ever maybe lake george at the most and i was probably on a family vacation and eight years old at the time right i'm driving so we took like 90 across and i'm with my friend she's driving me and we're like where are we? We're like, what is a leather stocking region? She's like, are you sure you want to go here? And I was like, yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And then all of a sudden, all the town names turn into countries. Like, what uh, yeah. are we in Phoenix? Poland and Canada. Like, you know? Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you're still sure? I was like, yes, we're going to keep going. So I, I mean, really, I had not even been that far up and I remember coming home for Thanksgiving break was like the first time I came home and I immediately told my dad I was like I need a serious winter jacket and because I didn't have one like a I had a winter coat but not like I needed to block the wind like I'm going skiing but I'm not skiing I need that jacket um block the wind and then I got a serious winter coat and then I learned what lake effect snow was and and thunder snow um yeah. Crazy. But I loved it. You know what I tell people? Go, oh my God, the weather. It's so, How can you go up there? I said, that weather made me the best friends I could ever have from college because mm-hmm. you're not leaving your dorm. Right. I was like, you're eating all your meals together in Cooper Dining Hall. You're going between like two dorms because they're attached, you know, by the dining hall. You're hanging out on all these other floors. I, I tell people all the time, I made the best friends because it was so cold. <laughs> So Dana, let's I want to I want to talk about what I'm calling the the Dana Siegel rule. Oh. 
Um, curveballs. I asked. This you. isn't a curveball. This isn't okay. a curveball. This okay. is some. This is um, a story that you told me about using your address to get in-state tuition. Oh yeah. <laughs> and how you went about doing it. Okay. So. Because it's not a, you can't do it anymore. No, I'm pretty sure I broke the system. And I'm very sorry for all the rest of the out-of-state people. When I got to school, so I had taken a year off and I lived in Boston for a year. So I got a license in Massachusetts and I had, you know, so then I moved and I needed a new license and whatever. But I was like, well, I technically live in New York now. And so I went to the DMV with my telecom bill from Culkin Hall and with my birth certificate or whatever. And I got a license that literally said 422 Hart Hall <laughs> New York. But you have to be a resident for a year in order to get in-state tuition. So I waited that whole year. And for my sophomore year on, I got in-state tuition with a license that said 422 Hart Hall on it as we go New York. <laughs> and, and then Oswego said, oh, wait a minute here. I think the whole state said it, actually. <laughs> I personally think that's one of the best stories I've ever heard. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, I got lots of tricks. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know. I don't I just pers personally, when you told me the first time you told me that story, I was like, that's ingenious. Like never would have crossed my mind. I don't even think it ever would have. I mean, well, just. I mean, I was, I mean, I don't know your situation, but um, like I was paying for school, right? I was taking out loans and I was like, well, I got to, how can I make this better? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I worked the system a little bit. Yep. Oh, the Dana Siegel. I bet it's in the book somewhere. <laughs> so, so you made the decision to, to go to Oswego. Uh, what was your experience like there? I had a great experience. My first semester, I actually didn't do very well, um, but I I got into it like second semester freshman year. Um, and I kind of ended up like immersing myself into like WNYO specifically um, and like and my major and in the professors and then my friends as well, like getting really close with some people. But I think my experience I don't know if it, you know, listen, not everybody has an amazing college experience for some people. It's hard, you know, or they mm -hmm. don't have a good time or they leave. And I was really um, lucky with the people that I met and the dorm I was put in and my major and the people that were part of my major. Um, but I had a, I had a really great experience living on campus and off campus. I think the media center and the basement of Hewitt union was what, like made it just amazing, right? Just the time spent there and the people, and we did good work. Like we had fun, but we worked. Um, and I just learned a lot. I, I, another reason I chose Oswego too, versus like a Northeastern or Quinnipiac. Northeastern Quinnipiac, listen, they're great schools. They're beautiful schools. They also have amazing programs, but you're like a number there. And what I found was at Oswego, I was like a person to the professors, to the advisors, even to like people in Culkin Hall. 
And that became really important as time went on at Oswego. And so for me, you know, putting all of that together, the experience was great. It's why I gave back so much. Um, even all the snow and the wind, like that was part of it. It makes it special. Um, and so I, I had the best time. Um, I love going back to visit. Not that like we're the same age as we were, but it still has that same nostalgia for me. Um, and I think the campus itself has an energy, but it has a community. Like you walk through campus and you'd be like, oh, hey, you know, hey, you'd run into people all the time and that sense of community. And it's still there um, made it really special um, for me, at least. And like I met my husband there, you know, like that's like, you know, it's a great and you met your wife there, Mooney, right? Yes. And, yep. you know, like it's just like a special place and you meet great mm -hmm. people. Um, they're all of the same mindset almost there you know the people that end up being in your in your life there and the professors were great um we saw a bunch of them the other week right and and mm -hmm. like how many people can go back to their school go to this dinner their professors show up and you're like they're your friend now or they're your colleague in your industry now I don't know that that would happen at like a big number school so no, it's not the same not the no. same when you go to like a really big school, you know, you can have like that one professor that you became close with, you know, because you took their class and you work with them, whatever, but it's not the same as like, you know, multiple professors, multiple people, you know, you know, like you said, you, there's even people within, you know, other aspects of the school, right? <clears throat> like Betsy, like Betsy Oberst and people like that, who, you know, that you, you become close with, but oh, you yeah. wouldn't probably happen if you went to like, Syracuse or Northeastern or something like that. Right. Like I'd go to NAB in Las Vegas and like meet up with Fritz Masser. Right. Hey, Fritz, let's get together. Like you're in Vegas. I'm in Vegas. Your class was the hardest, but I still want to meet up with you. Uh. In Vegas, you know, I mean, that doesn't happen. I think no. other places. Definitely. Well, and I was going to say, sorry, Kevin, not to cut you off. I was going to say, I hope with Dr. Wosu's vision of 40 and 40, that that doesn't change either um because of and and i i share your sentiment that yeah the community was so cool like you would you would just walk across campus be like hey how are you hey how are you and you would know a lot of people and i hope that doesn't change as time goes on that's a really good point mm -hmm. i hope so too we'll have to ask them about that on thursday yeah we got we'll just start a list of questions <laughs> i'm i'm gonna just be like i'm sorry but um Hey, Mo and I, we have a list. So we're just yeah. going to use the whole 30 minutes. <laughs> we're J Jason's bringing his tape recorder with him and we're, we're going to fire right. some questions off. <laughs> I told Dana, I was, I was going to bring the Morantz with me. That's right. <laughs> I said, why bring the Morantz? We'll just we'll go into the FAN studio. And we'll just record there. He said it was okay. Okay. When you when we were all in college and and you were at NYO, you became the general manager uh, toward the end of your your stay at Oswego. Um, what drove you to uh, to become the general manager of NYO, and what was it like, you know, to to be running the 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 college's student radio station? So I started in other like eboard positions, and I was always on air, like as of soft, uh, second semester freshman year. 
And then I started doing like smaller jobs and e-board jobs. Um, I loved being at the station and it was, again, like I said before, like a way to grow, like build another skill. You're, you're starting to leave college soon. You're thinking about it. How can, what else can, you know, what can I put on my resume? But I also saw the person in front of me do a really great job. Neil Napolitano was the GM prior to me. Um, and he was really good at it. And I spent time with him and I was like, I think I could do this, you know, like this would be a great experience and a fun experience. Like it's work, but it's not like there's responsibility, but it's not this super heavy thing that's going to drag down my, you know, college experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a great group. I had a great e-board to work with. Um, I was also running for the position against our friend Jada. So that made it fun too. Um, so I got to beat him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but Pretty sure it was um, a landslide. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, just to gain that experience and be a little bit more involved, it turned out to be a bigger experience than I expected in a positive way. So for example, you think, oh, I'm, I'm running the station and you know, you got to make sure that your team and you all are cohesive and have the same goals. But then like, oh, you got to put a budget together. You have to research equipment. You have to present yeah. a budget to the student association and they might say no. And you got to figure out what you can cut out, right? You got to work with an advisor. You got to find an engineer. You got to replace headphones every two weeks because people keep stealing them. Like, where's that money coming from? Right. And we're breaking them. Um, and all of a sudden this fun thing about like being at the station became a very important educational experience that wasn't in a classroom. Right. And so all of a sudden I'm making budgets that's come in handy now. Right. I'm managing people at the station. It's something I've had to do in my career. And so all of those things combined ended up being way more influential and important than I had any idea when I was doing them that they would be. So, and I got to hang out with all my friends like all the time and I got credit, <laughs> <laughs> which was great too. Um, Cause right. you spend a ton of time down there. So it, you do get, you do get, you did, I don't know if you still do, but you get credit for it. And it was just so much fun. And you got to work with the TOP people and the Osagonian people and you would, work together on, on a lot of things. Like when a concert would come, that was everybody working together and you got to help put that together and, um, just, just a ton of, of fun and, um, exposure to things I would not have been exposed to that I ended up needing down the road. So tons of fun. So, so when you were the GM, what was one of, if not, um, any of the toughest decisions you had to make when you were, when you were there, like as the GM? I'm sure you've all heard the story, but I had to fire my friends who were on air. <laughs> um, that was kind of hard. We yeah. still laugh about it. It's even come up during wedding speeches, by the oh. way, like at their weddings, like we're all still <laughs> very good friends. That was, we joke about it. It wasn't, it wasn't that easy to do. It was no. hard. Um, I think the hardest thing was probably budgets was that was hard and you're on a, you're on a thin budget and you have to price out equipment and put together a plan really for a year that you're not going to be there. 
So I'm GM my senior year, putting a budget together in, you know, January, February, because the fiscal year is July to July there. And most business, you know, a lot of businesses, July to July. I'm not even going to be here. Is this what they need? Is this going to cost the same come July and into the next following year? Like that, that was hard um, because I'm making a decision for people and I'm not even going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the hardest presenting it. No problem, but figuring it out and working with the engineer and deciding what, what is a good investment for the station? How much is going to cost? Let's, and at the time, by the way, we, you know, we're getting giant catalogs at the station that we got to flip through from B and H right. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah I remember yeah, that was wonderful. Right. And, and next, and so firing, <laughs> firing friends, the budget and POs, POs were a nightmare to go through a PO process to buy things. Those are the hardest. All right, Agent Scully, uh, a couple last questions here. And I think you probably know them since you listen to the podcast on a regular basis. Uh, question one, what does your chicken patty sandwich look like when you were in the dorm? What was it like? I mean, I wanna say that at the time they were round patties right? Yes. And they, we would go to the dining hall, like they would just be out there in the tray. I don't think you got it as like a sandwich, but I, we got, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit off the cuff here. I like the chicken patty sandwich. I was more of a grilled cheese girl in the dorms. I loved a good grilled cheese and there were grilled cheese all the time. You're not the first to say that. Yeah. You're not the first to say that. Yes, I did enjoy the chicken patty. Don't get me wrong. And I'm kind of basic with it. Like, you know, not a ton of stuff on it, right? But the grilled cheese, the tater tots, kind of my jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, and, and just as important, uh, yes, we go sub shop, of course. You must have had a go-to sub. Cheeseburger sub. Yes. Undefeated. Light on the onions, though. <laughs> Light on the onions. Bare. Yeah. Um, sometimes be a little much. Um, after that, um, I did enjoy just like the turkey sub, like turkey, lettuce, tomato, tomato, mayo sub. And there wasn't, I don't think there was the Roker or the Steve Levy or anything like that. So those were my like two go-tos. Right. I, right. Can I tell a funny cheeseburger sub story? Of course. Yes. So after one of my meetings, um, I I waited until the sub shop opened in the next day up in Oswego to leave, right? So like I was up at like 8 a.m. or whatever, but I waited till 11 so I could get a sub to have half on the way home on my ride and then like bring it home and maybe for dinner someone else in my house would want it. And I didn't state the light on the onions part. So driving four hours, I take out half the sub and a bunch of onions fall out. You know, the crevice where your phone always falls. Oh, oh da- no. yeah. Dangerous game. Dangerous. I'm going to find those for years. My car smelled like an onion <laughs> for probably a good week. I couldn't find these tiny, this like one piece of onion was still in there, but it had to wait until it just dehydrated and went away. I couldn't find it. Don't make that mistake. People <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. It's hard to have. You can't. 
trying to eat a sub. E- eating a sub in a car is probably the second most dangerous game. I think the first most dangerous game is having a chicken nugget and trying to dip it into a sauce. Mm-hmm. That's impossible unless you put the sauce in between the seat and the center console so that it's steady. I think that's the only way. That's a life hack right there. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad. Listen, it was delicious. It was worth it. Of course, only a week of onion stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's but rough. It was. It was something that those were some. They got some onions at the sub shop. So they have, they have a very heavy hand when it comes to the uh, to the veggies. Yes, you know, yeah. to the to the toppings. You know, they they just like grab large amounts and just throw them on unless you tell them not to. Can I make and can I make a suggestion? Maybe we, we add a um, Rudy's question. Oh, yeah. that's I like it. I like it. You could right. be the first. What was you your have right? Let's open go. Open so often, and you got to be like real deal. Like I'm there in those months when it's right. open, and like, what's your that 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 could be a good secondary question. Yeah, because they let's... close it you know right around right around now right yeah uh they've been closed for a while i think now. yeah i have anyway, a rudy's but... magnet on my fridge <laughs> there you go <laughs> is it the the rainbow fish mm-hmm. uh yeah there you go yep. Yep. What, what was your order at rudy's i love the fried mushrooms mm. really mm-hmm. i love the fried mushrooms yeah did you go to ranch or a blue cheese dip um all right so this is gonna be a little controversial um i love mustard and i actually dip them in like honey mustard or spicy mustard i don't know why that's okay that's my thing actually sounds kind of good and a labats fried mushrooms labats (laughs) good (laughs) that's hard to beat what about you guys oh man i don't know when with at rudy's I generally go with the shrimp when we were when we were up there this past in September. What I don't even remember what I had. I tried something new. Oh, I tried the po' boy. I think it was the po' boy, and I wasn't I wasn't really a fan. I'm not gonna lie. Didn't it it it, it was it wasn't as good as I was expecting it to be. But it's all right. You live and learn. But I had a beer. I had a good beer while I was there. So you know. Nice. I, I usually go with the fillet, like the fried fillet, and then oh, the um, fish? yeah, yeah. and the then from the line one fried, one fish. That's right. <laughs> what were they like? The the clam strips, like the fried yeah. clams. Those mm-hmm. are those, those are, are good. good. Those are good. And then you had to walk, you know, a little bit down the road to Bev's and get the ice cream from Bev's, and yeah. the circuit's complete. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was always a fish play as well. I, yeah. And just you have to you have to douse it with tartar sauce. I mean, it's just got to oh, be yeah. covered in tartar sauce. Yeah, they and have really a healthy. very good, you know, their hot sauce. Not like to bat like their hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it as a gift for my wedding. Someone gave me the Rudy's oh nice. Hot sauce. I got a, <laughs> I got an upstate cooler, and Rudy's hot sauce was in it. Awesome. <laughs> their hot sauce is good. Well, Dana, we greatly appreciate you coming on. Love talking to you. Um, I will see you later this week. Yes, very excited for the event. Looking forward to it. Me too. And uh, we will we will chat again soon. All right. Thank you guys so much. And that was Dana Murphy. Uh, like I said, another 
great Oswego alum. Uh, another great interview, guys. Another great interview from someone we went to college with. So like we've had a lot of the a lot of our contemporaries, a lot of our friends that we went to Oswego with have really got onto some huge, you know, big, big things. And so we're and we're so happy that they're they're able to spend the time with us, you know, to I mean, eight o'clock at night or typically when we record, we recorded Dana's a little earlier, but uh, on a Monday night, but they're, they're always available, you know, to, to chat with us. And that's greatly appreciated. Yeah. I think that that's the coolest part about doing this, right. Is, is having those old connections and, and the willingness for, you know, our guests to come on and, and spend time with us. I mean, and we're just a small little podcast that, you know, yep. we're, we're almost a year into this and, and it's still awesome. That they make the time for us. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't really kind of expect to, have this morph into kind of what it's become, right? Like we, we didn't plan to just start interviewing us. We go people, you know, alums all the time and just kind of work that worked out that way so far for us. And, you know, it's great to notice, to see that what the connections are for, you know, all these different people that went to us. We go. Uh, also, Jay, when you, uh, when you said how I was doing in Arizona, I think I meant to say prune and not plum, but that's a whole nother. Yeah, whatever, you know, I mean, technically, right. They both technically, the, the plum becomes the prune or That's something right. like that, right? Yeah. Chris, that that was hanging with you for the whole interview. That's it did. Yeah, it did. It really, to... it really stuck with me. Kind of like when Will Levis uh said whatever he said instead of matriculate down the field, that stuck with him the entire entire day after the interview or over the weekend. Uh the uh Titans quarterback. So it, it stuck with me the entire wow. time. Well, fellas, I think that'll uh that'll wrap it up for us this time. As usual, you can follow us uh throwing bagels email us throwing bagels uh podcast at gmail.com you can catch us on facebook you can catch us on instagram uh, on threads on linkedin we're all over the place you find us we're there uh, and we will talk to you next time see you later guys bye take care